0: series with Wesley Union. Um, we are going to be highlighting the different Advent candles and um, Christmas tide and then Epiphany um, through some discussions with some local pastors. Um, I'm Sarah Taylor. For those of you who don't know me, I am the Ministry Associate for Studio Wesley, and so I'm often behind the scenes making a lot of I'm sure a lot of our content um, gets out and is produced and all that jazz. But I'm actually stepping in and interviewing people for the series. Um, I'm so excited to have our first guest with me today, uh, the Reverend Haley Eccles, who is currently serving as the Associate Director for Kansas City Wesley Foundation in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, Haley, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? You know, I'm all right. I'm fresh off a nap, so that's always a good time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So,
1: I haven't um, been able to nap lately because I've been watching The Great British Bake Off for my breaks, and then instead of falling asleep, I sit there and I'm like, "No, is it baked? Is it cooked long enough? Is it going to be soggy?"
0: <laughs> I have never watched The Great British Bake Off, so I, I don't, I don't I know Watching the- it
1: because people told me it was like really relaxing, and it has not been
0: relaxing for me. <laughs> The opposite, okay. So you're like, it's like a game show for you. Like you're just like, yeah, i pay all the attention. Interesting, interesting. So, in addition to watching the Great British Bake Off and not mopping, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh,
1: so, I am a provisional elder in the U- Florida United Methodist Church. I am a mom of two little boys, a uh, two and a half year old and an eight month old. And I don't have any interesting hobbies.
0: (laughs) I would argue that that's not true. I I know you outside of this.
1: I just like drew a complete blank. I'm like, you know, it's like that anxiety you get when you're in a class and y'all have to go around and say a fun fact. And immediately you're like, I can't think of a single
0: fun fact. That's, I get that. I mean, uh, so you make TikTok. Do you make TikToks? (laughs) You're very into uh, The Bachelor. uh, You like Taco Bell. That's another interesting fact. I love hate (laughs) (laughs) relationships. And you read. I've been to your house. There are lots of books there.
1: There are, but I will say, um, and I don't know if other people are experiencing this with, um, like COVID anxiety has taken a lot of my ability to read. Um, I've listened to a few audio books, but I've really struggled to focus on like a print book lately.
0: It's been tough. Mm. I like reading. I totally relate to that. One of my other jobs has been indexing this book and reading the book has been the hardest thing. Like I just like, I don't have the capacity to read things particularly because it's a book about like social class and like politics. And so it's just, yeah's <laughs> been a whole thing so relatable um all right well thank you for sharing about your your life and that um but we are here to talk about advent that is the thing of the hour of the season this liturgical season. so uh why does advent and the liturgical season like why do they matter why are they important?
1: So I have two answers for this. Um, The answer I learned in seminary and the answer according to me. So um, seminary answer um, or the thing that that stuck with me from seminary is that. So the the whole Bible story is really important to our faith and not just Advent, but the whole like. Christian calendar allows us to walk through that whole story in the course of a year. It helps us to keep those rhythms in mind of God in those moments of creation and consider where God is now. Um, And it does specifically center around the story of Jesus, where Advent is the kind of waiting for Jesus. Um, And then we have uh Epiphany, we have um this season up until Lent where we usually go through a lot of Jesus like ministry and teachings. Um and then after Easter, uh Easter tide, then we start talking about where the church is in that. And so Advent is actually the beginning of our Christian year and the opportunity to um, remember the, the beginning of the story that uh, for a lot of Christians, um, we can rush straight to Matthew and miss the larger story of um, God's creation and pursuit of us that makes um, Christmas and God's presence so important. Um, the answer, according to me, kind of goes to the fact that I was raised in a tradition that didn't recognize the Christian calendar. And there's a reason for that. Um, uh, Churches that tend to not emphasize a uh, liturgical calendar, a Christian calendar, often uh, do so because they really hold Easter as the most important, the most sacred, and every Sunday should be a celebration of Easter, even Christmas morning is a mini Easter for us to be able to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And I 100% agree um, that the resurrection is the the hope of the gospel, but um, that hope, which we'll talk about a little bit more, uh, builds when we Know why we need it. And I think the Christian calendar helps us to stay steeped in not just the high highs of our faith, whether that is in history, like or in the biblical story, as well as personally, um, but also helps us to see God in um, the lows as well, and uh, suffering and loneliness and difficulties. So Mm.
0: I liked your you pointing out that Advent is like the new year for the Christian liturgical like calendar, because I think we're all a little ready for 2020 to be over. (laughs) So like the idea that it gets to be over a little bit sooner because Advent is the start. Um, and Advent starts a month ahead of our actual new year. Um, well not the, the actual new year as recognized by the main calendar. I'll phrase it that way. Um, So I appreciate that. I also, I totally relate to growing up in a church that didn't recognize the liturgical calendar um, and lots of, yes, focus on Easter and almost, I don't know if you've seen this, a lot of focus on like Jewish holidays, um, Judaism, like that was something I experienced. I was, whenever I first showed up and like was entering into spaces that practiced a liturgical calendar, like things like ash wednesday i showed up to ash wednesday and had no idea what was going on and i was like what what is happening here um because i could tell you all about passover um but i knew nothing about ash wednesday um and i i since then like found there's a lot of beauty at least for me in like the rhythm that the liturgical calendar brings um to our lives i don't know if you've experienced that as well yeah well
1: it's It's rhythm. And, um, it also, I think helps balance our focus. It can Mm -hmm. be very easy. Um, I don't know if this was popular in the church that you grew up in. It was very popular in my church to have like a life verse or a favorite book or something that you would kind of always go to. And while those things are great pinnacles, Uh, to go back to of like, God has taught me this thing. Um, Sometimes I think they can keep us from continuing to grow because they keep us where it's safe and comfortable. Um, A lot of popular life verses might be something like, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope for a few and a future. Um, And yet sometimes we need, some of those other verses that maybe we don't want a needle point on a pillow but are a good reminder of that part of the plan and part of the growth um, is demanding of us and it's not comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that having that kind of range um, helps us to maybe not direct Um, direct to God in the way we want to go, but hopefully God to direct us in the way God wants us to go.
0: Um, So. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's so good. I don't know. It's like, I experienced a lot of life verses, but there would be like verses that you would really focus on for like a season, like for like camp or something like there'd be like a verse. Um, I do. I really appreciate your point, though, about how the liturgical calendar kind of can guide us through different points and, like, values and, like, elements of faith that we need to wrestle with. And I think that's one thing with the lectionary text you're really good for, too, is that as they coincide with that and work alongside it, it's not just focusing on the happy, good, easy verses that we're all like, yeah, put that on a pillow. It's the hard messy like oh we have to wrestle with the tension and the context and like
1: and we do do have some work to do within our lectionary um there's a a blog or a website called the year d project and um so our lectionary runs in three different years to capture you know everything that um is you know, witness to in scripture, but there's still some things that get missed. Some of the things that get missed is that we'll tell, um, we'll read the Psalms up until the good parts. But then when the Psalmist starts calling for God's vengeance against people, we won't read that part. And while it's uncomfortable in scripture, I do think it's part of scripture. And When we don't read that in church, people who are not as um, biblically literate get very surprised when they realize that that is actually a part of scripture because they've never heard it read in church um, before. Um, We also have stories, you know, women's stories, people that get kind of left out in the lectionary. And so it tries to capture those stories as well. But um, on the whole, most, most of that scriptural story does get captured in that three year lectionary. So
0: hmm. that's interesting. I didn't know about about you said the year B project year D because
1: um, we have three B. years and they're a, labeled A, B, and C. So year gotcha. D, sure, a little bit more. There's also a narrative lectionary. Um, I think it might. I'm not even going to guess which denomination put it out, but it's another um, option for people who have completely gotten exhausted by the A, B, and C lectionary. But um, I think that there's plenty of material in that lectionary too. So,
0: but I I appreciate that like there someone's putting out those resources though because I am um, one of the things I do, which you know this, um, but not everyone does in addition to some studio us stuff is I co-host, um, the perfect love podcast, which is CCW's reconciling ministries podcast. Um, and we had someone on there, um, Ian, um, and he talked about how like the minute something isn't working and is excluding people and it's like not feeding people like the love of God, we have to consider how we can make space and like revamp and like redo and like um make sure that they are being fed and cared for um like we're called to do that like jesus is a shepherd who takes care of his sheep and he is concerned with sheep taking care of each other um and so i i really appreciate the fact that there are like different lectionary like texts being put out to try to make sure everyone is covered and all things are seen and that if you get burned on something there's an alternative
1: Well, and to, to that point, you know, we have stories that are really hard to wrestle with in the Bible and how, how would it shape our faith if we had to wrestle with them every few years, even once we don't want to, the, uh, the, the woman that gets, you know, cut into pieces and spread out in judges, like, Mm -hmm. um, I do not love that her story is scripture um, I have been wrestling with it and I haven't um quite gotten there yet, but if I was forced through the lectionary to wrestle with it every so often, um who knows how that might shape me or shape my attention towards certain stories.
0: So I know we've kind of zeroed on the lectionary a little bit here, but to talk a little more about the liturgical calendar and specifically the season of Advent, um What does Advent mean to you? Like, what is the significance of this particular season? So I think,
1: um, and I didn't look this up ahead of time, but Advent specifically means waiting. Um, and we're doing two kinds of waiting. Um, we're waiting for Christmas, um, because we're waiting for that point in the, in the story where, um, God in the form of Jesus shows up but we're also waiting for Jesus return and the future kingdom and so the the reading through the text of waiting for Jesus first coming um how we wait what we see in those stories help prepare us for um the fact that we live in this liminal space where we're waiting for the kingdom and yet we're called to bring the kingdom, Um, but it's imperfect and we're trying to move towards that. And so for me, um, this time of waiting is supposed to be very active. The Advent season for me is a call to action of um are you waiting like you're just sitting around (laughs) Um, or are you like getting the job done and it's we're talking about this in year b where our very first uh the hope lectionary text is the text from mark where you know Uh, Jesus comes back the sky is split apart and it's like you never know when he's coming You, you know you don't want to be caught doing nothing you know watch keep watch um and so I say that not to uh bring about like shame or anything of like um or in adic- those um, insecure or inadequate feelings of like, am I doing enough? Um, but more as a reminder that the coming of the future kingdom isn't just something where we can just say, um, I can't wait till Jesus comes back and therefore my actions in this life don't matter. Um, but that there's something like very active in Waiting—that there's something um, that God is looking for us to do, so that we can even be prepared for um, the glory and the hope and the the joy that awaits. So,
0: mm. active waiting—that's a almost an oxymoron, but it makes sense in this context for sure. Okay. That's a really quite a beautiful concept. I. This may be because I know you're doing another um, Advent project on Wesley's Revival about um, motherhood and, like, um, theology and all that stuff. But active waiting almost seems a lot like nesting and, like, pregnancy to me in some ways. That's what,
1: that that is the image for me that really took hold of like my scriptural imagination because the first year I was um, a a pastor through the season of Advent, I was also pregnant with Eli. And just like your whole body and, and life is kind of changing or expecting something to happen and I mean like some of that you have control over like um, you go from sitting in your living room and thinking it's lovely and enjoying it to all of a sudden seeing it as a pit of danger for a little one who's going to crawl through and like put something in their mouth or stick their fingers in sockets or things like that Um, but then there's also some that you don't have control over like, um, Thanksgiving in, uh, 2017. Uh, it was like right around Thanksgiving. I like looked down at my legs and I had never seen, um, this before, but I had what they call pitted edema, where your like, um, f- like fluid kind of builds up around your ankles and they get really swollen. And you may have, um, experienced it before. Like if you've, been, like walking all day at a, um, theme park or something where your circulation's not really, um, good, but it's also something that can happen in pregnancy. And so you like, all of a sudden don't recognize like your ankles look weird and like your body just looks different. Um, and I, d- I guess just thinking about the ways that like, um, like we're, we're slowly becoming completely different people. Um, and there's a time where that comes to completion, like at least with within this example, there's a time where like, you know, you go from like becoming a mom to being a mom, like there's a big difference when you have to like, I, I used to joke around um, when people were like, oh, are you ready to be done being pregnant? And I was like, I don't know, they're so much easier to take care of on this side, you know, <laughs> Um <laughs> So, it like that completely changes. Um, but there's also ways that your body's preparing you. Like the fact that you have to, um, that you don't sleep well in your last trimester really is like some sort of intense, like military training so that you're ready to, like, be up for this, you know, restless nights once the baby actually comes and your brain changes. And anyway, so that's kind of what what I feel like when I think about Advent and the type of waiting we're asked to do is you know maybe we don't have it a hundred percent right of how we're supposed to be um, in that like day of the Lord in the new kingdom but we have these glimpses and we have these opportunities to put on um, that that image um, and, and practice and try to be kingdom people
0: that's such beautiful thoughts such beautiful imagery such great insight as always um we're going to take a little quick break and then we'll be right back with some more thoughts on Advent and specifically the hope candle
1: studio wesley is sponsored by campus to city wesley a ministry of the florida conference of the united methodist church During this holiday season, Campus to City Wesley is engaging in their year-end giving campaign. This year, we are inspired by the words of Jeremiah 29, as we have seen God building up a ministry that goes beyond our plans, leveraging online spaces to prosper our ministry even in the midst of a pandemic. If you would like to support the work we are doing here at Studio Wesley, consider donating to Campus to City Wesley by visiting campustocity.org slash yeg2020.
0: Hey, friends, we are back um, with the second half of this Advent Hope discussion with uh, Pastor Haley. Um, And I am so, so excited to hear her talk more specifically about the Hope Candle. Um, So, Haley, like, what is the story behind the reason for the Hope Candle? Why is it significant? Give me all the information. Well, I'm definitely
1: not a historian, so I'll just put that out there. But I do find it very interesting that when I look up information about the Advent candles, different denominations and traditions do them in different orders um, at different times, but they always tend to start with hope. Um, so I feel like that's significant that everyone kind of starts in this place of, of hope. And that's probably because the, the hope candle, um, is usually where we try to focus our attention on the, the Old Testament, like the history of God's story. Some people call it the prophecy candle. And um, it's where we consider these moments where um, the people of Israel have felt lost and abandoned and aimless, and um, this reminder that in these prophecies they've been given some news to kind of help continue the journey say like all hope is not lost that there's something coming that god is going to continue to be faithful to you and um and then we get these like little glimpses of of prophecies where um god you know is able to shed some light through the prophets that um, God hasn't forgotten.
0: That's so interesting. That was not the answer I was expecting. I, because this whole like series, and I I told you first of recording, it's kind of born of my own curiosity about Advent and like the candles and what it all means. And that was not the direction I saw this going. That's really quite... I'm curious
1: where you saw it going.
0: Oh, I, I just thought it had to do a lot more with like the hope and preparation for like the coming of Jesus, I guess, which not to say that like what you're saying didn't have to do with that, but this notion of it tying back to a lot of Old Testament stuff and like, which I mean, I guess the hope and preparation, I don't know. I just, you tied it a lot more heavily back to, I guess, that than I was expecting, Um, And I'm curious, I guess, if you can elaborate on just, I guess, the notion of, like, some places calling it, like, uh, some denominations calling it, like, the prophecy candle and, like, specific instances when in the Old Testament that would have been significant, this, like, idea of hope and prophecy and, like. There's certainly like a lot of
1: prophecies that we attribute to Jesus now on this other side of getting to meet Jesus. Um, The ones that come to mind are uh, like Micah three is where we hear that um, Bethlehem is going to be significant. Um, We have these, glimpses and i'm going to be a bad baptist because i don't remember the scripture and verse the way i should but um where we hear you know the names like he'll be called wonderful counselor almighty god everlasting Mm -hmm. father prince of peace you know we have those things we have um some prophecies we don't end up talking about until uh like holy week when we think about things like um I think it's in Isaiah where we hear this passage of like, by his stripes, we are healed and tying that back to Good Friday. Um, And I think it's just important because God made this promise with Abraham, right, or Abram at the time of like, you're going to be my people Um, you just like random person are going to father all of these people in your nineties and um, they're going to multiply. They're going to become this nation of Israel. And I guess I would just imagine that there had to be moments where it was like, I mean, do we really believe that that happened? Did they like, did God really say this to him? Is this really like what's going on? Or was it just like a nice story? Um, and yet it's also the kind of hope that lets, um, an army that's like a 10th of the size continue to hold their ground. Um, to feel like God is on their side. It becomes this this, um, self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways when you're telling yourself like, oh, God is on my side. Um, And then it's happening. (laughs) And then it's happening Mm -hmm. again and again over history. Um, And now we have this moment in Israel's history when Jesus is coming, um, when we have to go back if you're, if you are a Jewish person in this like Roman occupation, um, being forced to travel for a census and being taxed heavily, like where are you going to go back to be able to have enough hope to sustain you for just the next day just knowing that it's all going to be worth it um and you can go back to you know the story of Abraham or you can go back to the exodus or you can go back more recently to some of the prophets um like Isaiah and know that all of these things remind us that like god has made a promise and my faith in God means that I have to believe that God will see it through.
0: Hmm. I really appreciate all of that historical situation. Cause yeah, I definitely think my brain like sort of like half of it was like, Oh yeah, they were hoping for the savior, you know, who's gonna come and like, you know, da da the Messiah. But I also think a lot of my like thoughts had to do with like our hope in Jesus today and like the hope we have in salvation and like life everlasting you know like I think I centered it more on us looking forward like why this candle was chosen um and why hope mattered for the context of today when we were choosing the candles but I appreciate the way you have taken the candle and shown why that theme was important back then and why it was included because of those reasons well it's definitely a looking forward
1: and a looking back at the same time um but I also struggle to fully embrace that kind of hope in this season for Christians today, because most Christians don't have a Jewish background. And so while we do have this amazing hope, our hope doesn't come until epiphany. Like we're celebrating a whole season that's not meant for us right now as Gentile people. Like it doesn't happen until the wise men come and realize that Jesus maybe is for them too, that, that hope becomes, um, larger than just the story of Israel. Um, and so I think in wanting to be, um, wanting to avoid the type of faith that Reaches into Israel's story and appropriates it. Um, I do tend to focus more on that looking back in this season so that there's more appreciation in the moments where um, I feel like I get to join.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Gosh, I love your insights and like things like that, and your sensitivity and like your awareness of different religions and, like, uh, just all the things. I just, you're great. <laughs> um, so, and you touched on this a little bit, but, like, are there specific scriptures and Bible stories that come to mind when you start thinking about the scandal? I know you mentioned some of them, but, like, you want to elaborate a little bit.
1: Yeah. When I read that question in preparation, I was almost thinking more on the where do you, like what passages bring me hope versus the hope candle. Um, mm. And this is where like, I have a really hard time picking. It's like trying to choose your favorite child, like trying to pick certain passages. Cause there's certainly um, hope in most of them. There's only like one Psalm that ends like, and I'm going to like, be in darkness forever at the end. Um, but other than that, most passages tend to end in hope. Um, I think, uh, I think one that has, uh, so one that'll be significant for me, especially in this first week is, uh, I like to think about the story of, um, Abraham and Sarah. So that's the one I kind of started with. Um, But specifically, there's so much I love about this story, right? Um, Abraham and Sarah, from what we read in scripture, are 99 and 90, respectively. Um, Abraham knows he's supposed to have a lot of children, and he's pursued uh, children with his uh, wife's uh, maiden, Hagar, and has a son. Loving being a dad. Um, And God's like, nope, that's not what's going to happen. I'm going to, like, Sarah's going to have a a kid. And um, I'll ask you, do you remember Sarah's response in the passage to, like, finding out she's going to have a kid at the age of 90?
0: Doesn't she laugh?
1: She laughs. But did you also remember, did this get taught to you, that Abraham laughed when he found out he was going to be a dad?
0: I don't remember that part. I just remember the, the Sarah laughed.
1: Yes, we all focus on Sarah laughing. It's a big deal that she laughed in chapter 18. But in chapter 17, Abraham also laughs. I just think that's important to mention. He laughed first. He laughed first. And somehow she's like, you know gets a whole bunch of crap for her laughing
0: do you do you wonder if like like Abraham like came to Sarah afterwards and was like hey guess what I just heard and then she laughed and they laughed together and then became like a running joke and so then it was said again she was like <laughs> yeah like another one of those like yeah <laughs> it could have been I mean
1: you know like she gets um in a lot of commentaries in a lot of ways I've heard it her laughter has been looked down on um And yet I think laughter is like such a great way of making space for hope. It's almost like a dare I, like dare I hope for this thing? Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to laugh to keep it from a distance so I don't take it too much to heart. But it's also not like a nope, not going to happen no emotion reaction mm-hmm. and the reaction that's very open. Um, so that's one that I really like. And then, um, love the, I just read this. So it, I'm not like this amazing at scripture memory, but in, um, Genesis 21, when she holds Isaac, whose name means he, he laughs. Um, she basically said, God, Um, this is Haley paraphrased, God um, has made me laugh and now um, others are laughing with me. And there's something just beautiful and communal and hopeful um, Mm -hmm. in this passage. And then, like, it's just kind of where the story starts.
0: Story starts with hope and Advent starts with hope. And. That's really lovely. That's, and, and that really, I was going to ask you about how it situates us in the overarching story of scripture and carries us and centers us. And like, I mean, if you want to add to it, you can, but that's almost like the way you just did that almost does that already. Like, right. So you can add to your thing, but.
1: I think, I think that what I'll say for hope, um, to end with is that if the season of Advent is also waiting for what is to come, um, there, there have to be moments um, where many of us in our faith have gone through that season of like, is this just a nice story or am I really waiting for, The kingdom, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, the seasons of doubt where God feels particularly far or God um, maybe is, is near to us, but we are so... Um, distracted or burdened by what is going on in the world or in our world personally, um, that it's hard to see that. And having stories, having a season that can ground us in a moment where we think about, well, I'm having a hard time seeing God now. I'm maybe even doubting now. But if I go back in my story of faith, where have I, where has God promised something? Where have I seen God come through that can give me enough hope to know that like, God's going to keep doing that thing, that I'm not just going to be done. Um, and so when you're in the process of, uh, ordained ministry, and some days it gets really hard and you wonder, you know, would it be easier to just like apply at Target than to continue to work in ministry? There are these moments where you can vividly remember your call story or affirmation or um, just significant moments where the spirit felt present and just like for Israel going back to different prophecies or different moments for us it can be these moments to go back through our story um, to give us hope to continue to know mm-hmm. that like there have been too many of those moments for it to be a fluke that God isn't doing a thing mm-hmm
0: um, I'm so excited. I get this before, like, Advent actually starts, and so it's just kind of like, oh, well, like, great Advent. <laughs> Advent. Um, anything that's helpful, I probably stole. <laughs> Give yourself some credit, Haley. <laughs> uh, Do you have any um, final comments you want to make about any of this? and um, Words to the church and society about the candle of hope or just advent or things I don't know this is your moment to say what you want to say
1: yeah I just I wonder about what it's gonna feel like um when it does because you know it hasn't officially started for us um but to be thinking through hope in a year where there have just been moments where it has felt like there's no hope um and I think it might, for me, help ground me and remind me, like, what is really worth hoping in. And I think in, this, in the terms of that being an active thing, then the reminder that maybe the things that I thought I could hope in. That I probably can't are going to require some action for me to either compensate, to hold accountable, or to bring about a new hope that's not there.
0: Well, Haley, thank you for chatting with me today about Advent and hope and all of the beautiful things. Um, thank you to everyone who's listening or watching. We hope you enjoy this and. Stay tuned for the next um, episode where we talk about the next candle. <laughs> thank you for listening to today's
1: episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy, Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.